Hello and welcome to the Yellow Chair Collective Podcast. My name is Jack Lamb and I'll be your host today. For our second season, we decided that we'd be focusing on relationships. And one of the things about modern relationships or contemporary current relationships is that most people tend to approach them through dating apps. So we thought we would decide this episode to talk to a couple of our therapists who have experienced dating on dating apps and have found success through dating apps, or I hope they found success. I guess we'll talk about it and learn today. So I would like to welcome first our licensed therapist, Angelica Sun. Hi, everyone. My name is Angelica Sun. I am a psychotherapist at Yellow Chair Collective. And my pronouns is she, her. And my personal experience with dating app is I really just married a person that I found through dating app. I don't know if you can call it a completely success yet. I guess, you know, <laughs> maybe. Okay, I'm just kidding. Okay, hopefully it will last for a long time, this marriage. And I'm here to give you my part of the story. <laughs> Well, thank you for being here, Angelica. And next we have Angela Nguyen. Hi, my name is Angela. Pronounce she, her. I'm also a psychotherapist here at Yellow Chair Collective. Similarly to Angelica, I've had personal experience with dating apps. And actually, the person I'm dating, my partner, I met him through a dating app. As far as success, I mean, we're not married. <laughs> Angelica is her partner. So... I'll keep y'all posted, I suppose. Thank you. And you know what? I think, you know, we're redefining success, right? Marriage doesn't have to necessarily be the end point. But as long as you have a good connection that you're satisfied with, that's a successful interaction. Because I think when it comes to dating apps, I mean, I use dating apps, (laughs) full disclosure. And (laughs) it's really hard. Uh, It's very hard to find very good connections. Maybe we can start if y'all want to tell us a little bit about kind of your relationship currently and how you met your partner. Yeah, so I have tried a number of dating apps from like college until now. My current partner, this might make me sound horrible, but I was super bored at home during the pandemic. And I was single and I was like, you know, what's an easy way to talk to people? It's a dating app. And I wasn't looking for anything in particular. I certainly wasn't expecting to like get into a relationship, but I was just on hinge. It was not quite I don't know. I wasn't looking for anything serious, which I, it felt like Hinge was that. So I was on Bumble and I was just talking to various people, had a couple phone call dates, nothing ever really panned out, I suppose. And then I met my current partner and we just really hit it off. We were texting, we had a couple phone call dates and the vibes were there to the point where we're like, yeah, I mean, it's in a pandemic, but maybe we could go on a date and we were like, well, let's, how do we do this? We tested negative for COVID and went to a drive-in movie, but we spent the entire movie just talking, really connecting. So after that, we had many a date of takeout food and parking lots, trying to be COVID safe. But yeah, and then we just really hit it off. Met my partner through Bumble. So thanks, Bumble. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Bumble. (laughs) (laughs) They should all pay us for just do sponsorship. (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, 
that sounds really nice. I think a lot of people probably resonate with kind of being in pandemic and like, oh, I'm bored and I want to see what's out there. <laughs> so I don't have to go through this alone. Yeah, and so. lonely, right? It's not only bored, everybody's stuck. Everybody's isolated. So of course, we just want to know people, even just on the app, somebody to talk to. All right, Angelica, do you want to share your story about how you met your partner? I kind of wish that I have like the same COVID story, but I don't. <laughs> I think COVID dating is a very interesting thing. It's very specific, kind of like nobody knows what's going on, right? So it's kind of almost exciting to a sense <laughs> because now you're just trying to be creative, trying to talk, connect, rather than compare with before it was in person. So my personal experience was more like before COVID, and it was through I used Coffee Meets Bagel, and that actually was my friend signing up for that because I, you know, like I was like they think I should be able to find some dates rather than just being miserable in grad school. So I found my current husband through Coffee Meets Bagel. So thank you, Coffee Meets Bagel. <laughs> Sponsored by. Yeah, <laughs> Do we have another sponsorship? In? This is just a whole ad for different dating apps. I know we're we're giving a list at the end of this podcast, <laughs> but then like a similar story. Like I think like we really like each other. There was a lot of things to talk about. Um, but I think a little bit different would be I was really suspicious whether dating app would be my thing because I never used it before, really. So all my previous relationship was through like just social circle, people I know from school, from work, like that. So dating app was the first time. So I didn't think it would work out. And then it worked out. So I guess a very pleasant surprise. And now this is our third year of marriage. So it's working. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. And I think... One of the things that you pointed out was kind of that was your first time on a dating app, which is really interesting because wow, how apt, how nice it must be to have a successful connection on the first time. But that's you know, I, I, everyone's experience is a little different. But... Yeah. <laughs> and Angela and I, I know we've talked about this that we've had prior dating app experience, and I was just curious, I guess, in terms of Angela, maybe you can share a little bit about kind of how your experiences have been before using the different apps and what are some maybe most memorable dates or messages even that you've gotten through the apps? Oh man. So my experience with dating apps goes back to my freshman year of college. I was rooming with two other girls and funny, but also sad, but mostly funny. It's like we'd all come into our first year with high school boyfriends. And within the first quarter, we were all single. Like we'd all broken up with our high school boyfriends. And so it was just like, well, we're in college. It's like the land of opportunity. <laughs> and we signed each other up for dating apps. And at first he was jokingly, like I signed up one of my roommates for farmers only. Um, and she has no interest in farming oh, agriculture. <laughs> I love that. Farmersonly.com. Yeah. Sponsored by. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, so at first it was just a joke, right? Like, what are dating apps even, you know, we both signed up for Tinder, which I think was the big one at the time. And you're like, yeah, we could go on a couple of dates. But like Angelica, we were really suspicious about it at first. So we were trying to be really safe about it. Like we were sharing each other's location, like who are you meeting with, when, where. And there were definitely some memorable dates. 
both good and bad. One first date that I went on, we were just meeting at like the local restaurant by our college and my roommates dressed up, went to the restaurant half an hour early, got a table and waited there so that they could watch me <laughs> and my first date to make sure it went well. <laughs> yeah. And did it go well? You know what? It did. We actually went out on a second date. So it, it was somewhat successful. And then I've also had a string of not so great dates. Uh, there was one where this unfortunately might be a common story, but the pictures did not reflect the actual person. I think the pictures catfish. were- I was catfished. They oh were pictures gosh. of the person, but they were like super outdated and they looked nothing like- the actual person. And I was like 18, 19. I didn't know how to say anything about it or bring it up. But when I was asked at the end of the date, like, will we go out again? I was just like, no, <laughs> no. Quick question. Do you remember how old this person was? You, you mentioned you were 18 or 19. They were at least a couple years older than me. I think they were probably in their early 20s. Okay. Uh, oh, so, okay. Yeah, it, that was so not that big an age gap. It not, was not too big of an age gap. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that was pretty memorable as being catfish. And then one more and I'll, I'll turn it back over to Jack and Angelica. But we went to get coffee. I was, suppose it was in the later afternoon, just around campus. And the conversation was okay. It didn't seem like we had that much in common. But afterwards, it was like, well, it was nice talking to you. I got to go study. And then he said, wait, we're not even going to make out first. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah. That's super uncomfortable. Oh my God. It I was. I've had the gamut, I think, of experiences. And since college, I know I've tried the various ones. Coffee meets bagel. I tried once. Hinge I've tried. And then Bumble's what led me to my partner. That's that's sort of been my <laughs> storied experience. Yeah, I mean, I think of even the, I don't know, for me personally, I think I get so anxious around when someone at the end of the date asks, like, will I see you again? And I always feel this pressure to be like, yeah, sure, of course. And then like either ghost or like tell them through text. Well, I don't ghost anymore. I used to ghost a lot more when I was younger, but now I, I'm definitely more like, yeah, you know what? I'll text them. You know, I had a good time, but I don't think I'm wanting to meet again. And for you to be able to do that during the date is like, to me, like, wow, that's really courageous because then it opens up the space for them to be like, why? What happened? What's wrong? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're a catfish. I don't want to say that in front of the person, you know? And I think this speaks to kind of what both of you have mentioned, kind of like the suspicion about dating and whether it's safe and even to the point where your friends go with you on your first date. And I guess I'm wondering, you know, what kind of things have you heard or have you seen maybe about kind of dating and apps that make you feel more wary? I, I kind of, I'm with Angela there in terms of like moving too fast, right? If on our first day, they were asking too much like personal information or like, you know, trying to kiss very early, hold hands, you know, like intimacy, physical space wise, that I probably would be a little bit just like, I'm not sure what you're trying to get from me, that kind of vibe. Like, I think that's, I mean, I, I heard it from my clients a lot of them who use dating app, which is like, I'm not sure if they're on here for the same reason I am, right? I'm not just trying to find someone 
just for a night. I'm trying to find serious relationship or otherwise too, right? I don't want people to get attached to me. Or I think a lot of it is about the intention and the goal, the purpose, why you use dating app. So that's kind of like an area that I usually look at, like, or talk with my dates if I am having one. I guess, I don't know. I have heard so many stories of dates that go poorly because one party or the other was only interested in like physical intimacy rather than a relationship per se or or even like dating casually right it doesn't always have to be a serious relationship I've also heard stories where like a date doesn't go well and people will like continue to repeatedly try to contact like on various platforms right like phone or Instagram or other forms of social media, right? So like dates go wrong too. So I think there was definitely a lot of wariness. You know, I hear kind of two things. One, um, as Angelica brought up, sometimes the intentions are, it's really hard to suss out almost, right? And two, what you brought up, Angela, is kind of seems like there's this safety issue. Like you don't really know who can be out there and what kind of person they are and whether there's maybe like digital stalking going on. And I feel like that's unfortunately very common, right? Like the people that you've been on dates with, I've heard of a lot from my friends, especially like women friends who after going on a date or maybe even just matching with someone, like they've said that like they've had dates, reach out to them on Facebook Messenger, they've had them slide into their Instagram DMs. And that feels very violating in a way yeah like intrusive like people are really crossing your boundary in the digital world yeah and i wonder kind of if y'all have any experiences with that like where people kind of you feel like someone on a dating app maybe has been too intrusive or crossing some of your boundaries whether that's digitally or even physically there was one memory that i have i don't know necessarily that it was well i guess it was intrusive but it was definitely crossing a boundary and it was definitely evidence of mismatched intentions so it'd been this person that i'd been on one date with and it'd gone well you know the conversation had been fine and then we were preparing to go on a second date again this was in college so we were just you know around campus right nothing too crazy but as they were getting ready to come pick me up from my dorm they were started sending like really sexual messages like so later tonight like what sort of things do you like are you okay with not using condoms and I was like whoa 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 no I wasn't signing up for any of this and also no <laughs> um yeah condoms are like an absolute necessity right <laughs> like why would you You're ask right. me on that <laughs> correct yeah. so it was just like whoa and then I was like you know what actually like I don't think this is a good fit I don't you know I don't think I'm actually interested like you don't have to come do not come and immediately the tune had changed and he started saying all of these really awful things to me like you're such a prude I can't believe you led me on you should have been more upfront. Girls always want guys that have it all, but then they don't actually want it. Even saying things like he was the best guy I was ever going to meet and I was making this. It, so it was like a whole like really big reaction. And so it was like all of the things I think you were mentioning in one <laughs> interaction. I ended up having to block him because I was like, this is too much. Like, I don't want you to know any more information about me. So yeah. Yeah, I mean- just by hearing how he responded to you, 
it really did sound like he was the best person you were ever going to Really? <laughs> Are we going to disclose the app name now? <laughs> oh my God. But I think that makes more sense to me. I, I think why there's this weariness and suspicion of like, you know, I want to say I'm shocked or surprised at that reaction, but I've heard that a lot too, where mm-hmm. especially men will blow up mm-hmm. if their expectations are not met. Yeah, that sounds really terrible. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And I'm also really glad you just like cut it off right there because that's already the first interaction what it's going to be next, right? It just like that that sounds like a very unsafe experience. And when you go to online dating, of course, people have concerns, right? If you have one experience like this, I probably would just want to delete the app afterwards. It's almost like it, it, it's going to be like a, I don't want to call it trauma. I don't think it's that. But like, you know, like that experience stays, that feeling, especially like someone knows you, like it knows your contact and everything, right? That just sounds so unsafe. Yeah. And I, I hear that a lot. It's interesting because as a, queer person uh, to share a little bit about myself like dating apps kind of is sometimes feels like my only option because there's not a lot of spaces where it's easy to meet a lot of queer people Mm -hmm. and I think about like my interactions with a lot especially a lot with uh, my uh, heterosexual friends where they're like oh my gosh like you just give out your address like for them to pick you up or like for you to go over to someone's place as a first date, like that seems so risky and that seems so much for a first date. And I don't know, I, I, to an extent, like there, there is like a, there is a difference, right? An experience. And I can acknowledge that that's probably also because I'm more masculine presenting or I'm like red is more masculine. So people maybe, maybe that's why I don't have as much of a, like the fear of that, because I know I can kind of protect myself or people are more fearful as opposed mm-hmm. to someone who might be more feminine presenting. And I, I think the one thing that I wanted to talk about kind of as Angelica has mentioned and this intention, right? Like the, the fact that there might be mismatch intentions with someone that you match with. And I guess I wonder how you navigate that, right? Like at what point do you set intentions? How do you suss out intentions? How do you communicate what your intentions are? I feel like, I mean, I had similar conversation with some of my clients too. Like, I feel like it's because when you try to think about, right, I have to be able to read all the signs. I have to do everything right. I have to not miss anything. So maybe it's a reflex or not. That costs a lot of stress when you think about like, this is what dating requires, right? That's a lot of work. And I think that kind of gives people a lot of anxiety, even just try to begin with. So I feel like as for me, like my own experience, I think a lot of it is really coming from reflecting on yourself first and your own needs, your own values about relationship, right? I think it gives you a lot more clue to how you can ground yourself, even if in a situation that maybe it's not ideal, right? So I think, for example, like when I first started using dating app, I was very clear that I want someone who's emotionally stable because that was my need. I need someone who's not dramatic, who's not too emotional, who can contain themselves, 
because I wasn't, I was in grad school, I was breaking down every day. <laughs> so I just don't want to add to that. And then other than that, I was thinking that I need someone who's really open-minded because I'm an immigrant, right? I need someone who's um, open to learning about other cultures, other things that maybe they don't share with me. So when I was doing that, I set my profile to maybe already communicate more about that. Right. So, for example, some of the profile you talk about, you know, the fun facts about yourself. So that's how I target at saying the things about myself. These are the things I look for or these are my experience. Are you interested or are you curious in that? And then when I look at other people's profile, I'm also looking at things that I'm looking for. Another thing that I really know that I want, it's someone that can grow with me. And maybe hat comes from a different background so we can learn from each other. So I really like intellectual stimulation. So for my husband, that like the, how we met, I wasn't really going to go on date with him because at that point I tried a couple and I was like, this is not for me. I was ready to delete the app. But then like I saw him and I saw he's an archaeologist and the facts he said about himself were very just like targeted. I was really curious about him. And then I read his profile and a lot of things he shared were really grounded. So that's what kind of gives me like a clue. Okay, this mine seems like a better choice or has higher likelihood of even going out with him twice. So when I really sit with him and we talk, our second date was at the tar pit. We're just looking at dead animal bones, that kind of thing. But that really suits me, right? That's not fun. And there's no alcohol or anything involved. So I know that's what I needed. But later on, of course, we go through all the physical intimacy things. But I know that's not the things that's going to make me feel safe in the beginning. So I think it's really, really important that you first ask yourself, what makes you feel safe? What are you looking for? And what is your limit to? Yeah, I, I love that response because I think inherent in what you're talking about is that maybe people look for different things, right? Like on the dating apps and especially like the point that you pointed out, like, okay, maybe the first date is not so much like drinking or going out. And I think there's so much of a script sometimes of like what dating should look like of like, oh, the first date is dinner or drinks and certain things that you talk about and you don't talk about. And as you said, like, it's maybe more so personal, right? Like you had things that you were curious about that you wanted to look for in a relationship. And therefore you kind of tried looking for that in the profile. I guess maybe Angela, if maybe if you could share kind of like how you manage, like, you know, how do you communicate your intentions and how do you kind of suss out other people's intentions? Like, how do you navigate that? I guess I was thinking about how on apps like Hinge or Bumble, those being the ones that I've tried, right? They have filters for specific things, right? So you can filter for like if you're comfortable with drinking or if you're comfortable with smoking, those sorts of things, right? And like for me, those are automatic no's. Not that it bothers me per se, but I am allergic to both of those things. So I like really couldn't be with someone where like that's a priority. Like I will never be able to go get a drink with you. So like for folks who are like, yeah, let's go to a bar or a pub. I'm like, it's not really my scene because what am I going to do? Sit there and drink water? Which yeah, I do. But like, it's not that fun, you know? So that's sort of like my first line of elimination. And then also then thinking about like, well, what are people bringing up in conversation, right? What are people really like, what are they concerned about? What are they passionate about? What are they wanting to, you know, get out of whatever this becomes, right? So I don't know if it's necessarily 
proper dating etiquette, but I'm a very forward and direct person. So I will straight up ask like, what are you looking for? Because I'd rather us both know and just get it out there rather than like sort of hum ha around the conversation and then get to it. And we're like, oh, well, it's actually not a match, which is fine. You can totally have mismatched intentions. Personally, I would rather know earlier on. And it's also just the way people talk about sort of, you know, certain things, right? Trying to identify like, do their values align with what I value, right? So, I don't know, my family is really important to me. So like when they talk about their family, how are they talking about their family, right? Like, is it like, yeah, it's also important. In which case, maybe that would be a good match. Or like Angelica was saying, I think being open, to different cultural backgrounds is really important to me too. So like, are they open to trying like my ethnic foods, you know, which are maybe not like. That's a big one for me too. Yeah. (laughs) Very big. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you going to think my food is gross? Cause then it's really not going to work. Or are you willing to try everything? I think, I think those things are really important, but also Jack, what you were saying earlier about like, the intersectionality of identities too. I think that is something that I really look out for. If the person that I'm talking to, are you respectful when you're talking about women? Mm-hmm. Are you respectful mm-hmm. when you're talking about Asian women particularly? Only because I have experienced a lot of like fetishization on dating apps. I won't go into it too much, but people are like, oh my gosh, I like want you to be my waifu. And I'm like, automatic no, immediately oh no. Oh, you, you know what? Actually, this is so funny because I think, you know, I, of course, there has been like instances where th- there's been a lot of like verbal like fetishization where they actually say it out loud. But there's also like a lot of like, so now I feel like there's also signs, and this speaks to what Angelica you were talking about, like trauma, but like this is more so like hypervigilance, right? The symptoms mm-hmm. of that. And now every time I see like anime on someone's t- Tinder profile or like, they cosplay and if if they're not Asian I'm always like I don't know I'm a little bit like I gotta suss them out a little bit more to see like what this is about (laughs) right like what does that mean (laughs) yeah I I think to Angela's point about fetishization Angelica I think you had talked about kind of when you were in school dating apps and there was this group of people that yeah, this is the funny part, which is you don't think dating app has the similar, like, you know, advantage of, you know, you know someone through a real connection. So there's reputation there as like reference, background information is for you to check. But if you use one dating app for a while, you will still find there's reputation going on within the circle. And I remember when I was in school and there was just like a couple white dude. but like everybody knows because like if I just randomly talk to my girlfriends and they would like tell me like they've all dated this same guy it's just like we were gonna like it's and they don't know from each other like I don't didn't date him so I was just like accidentally I found out that there was this guy that is going around and dating all the Asian girls in the area and then I like they didn't know and I broke to one of my really close friends and she was just so shocked so it was like a whole thing. And of course, after a while, there was a lot of drama that even I have this person totally out of my life. I still heard about it, but there's reputation. You know what? That actually reminds me. There was a guy like that around my college who was not Asian, who was known for trying to 
be around or follow Asian women specifically? Now that you say that, I think it might like even unconsciously did something to me because one of the first thing my when when I went on first date with my husband, when we talk about was our previous relationship. And so he was like, I've never actually dated any Asian girls. So that I think, like, because I think he, because he grew up in Indiana. So like the population itself was just like, he doesn't know this much. And he meant it because he has an anthropology background of like, I might say things that I don't know what I'm talking about. So please stop me if I say something offensive. But then I just, that stick out to me just hearing that, especially when you're in a group that there are other things going on. I think I I think that's funny and I made that face because I have like yeah it's so hard I think when when you're talking about intersectional identities and bringing your Asian identity into talking about it while dating because if they I feel like you know if they they're very overly passionate then I'm like oh is this fetishization and then if they say like oh I don't know anything about Asian culture exactly. or anything like that then my other side is like oh like am I like foreign or like, yes right exotic? are you like, trying to the exotic one you're dating <laughs> because I mean because I've also had comments of like well like kind of like oh you're really you're really good looking for an Asian person. And I'm like, oh my God, really? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it goes both ways, right? Like if someone says like, I really like Asian people, I'm like, and then the other way is like, oh, you're very good looking. I don't find Asian people good looking generally. I was like, ah. (laughs) That's neither one is good. (laughs) Neither one is good. uh. (laughs) And it's just so hard because I think I definitely found myself in spaces where it's like, you know, it's either I am fetishized or like, nobody will like me right because it feels it feels very othering kind of sometimes when you're not the norm and you feel like you have to be catering yourself to people who fetishize you because that's the only way you can find connection or value and I definitely struggled with that for a long time so just wanted to put that out there for anyone who is also struggling with that I was just gonna say I do feel like there is this really interesting dynamic at play when it comes to Asian women and Asian men being desired or not desired. I feel like, and this is all personal anecdotal, I don't have any research to back this up, but I feel like there probably is. But like Asian women historically have been very desired, right? Because of the stereotypes that they're seen as being beautiful and exotic and submissive, right? There's all this media from like the 19... 19- hundreds of like Asian women being so desirable and then on the flip side right of Asian men being so not desired right they're not considered conventionally attractive they're not considered like sexual dominant beings right they're not wanted right and so there's this really interesting dynamic of of how gender and ethnicity plays into it at the same time though at least what I've been hearing from friends is that there does seem to be like an increase in how Asian men are being desired because of the rise of like Asian media and Asian drama, particularly my friends who look Korean, even if they are not Korean, like they're like, oh my gosh, you're like my opa, like this really weird, like fetishization now of Asian men. And it's sort of this like, oh, well, we're desired now in the way that Asian women were desired. Like, do we even want that? Because it's... Yeah, it's this really interesting dynamic, I think, that is happening. I want to add to that just because I think that we're, we're talking about something also very specific for online dating or a dating app. 
which is like right. It's not through like real life connection, which means we rely on stereotypes many times to filter things out for us. So this is when we talk about. Of course, there's stereotype sometimes leads to bias and also leads to discrimination possibly. But stereotypes exist in the beginning for a reason. It is more like a survival tool. It is for people to try to figure out right what they can rely on, what can help them feel safe. So we see stereotypes everywhere, and I think more with online dating because a lot of things are like like what Angelo is sharing, the labels, right? We're trying to filter through things, but I think it's really important that we keep in mind that how stereotypes can become a bias or can become a barrier for us to truly understand this individual human being in front of us. Of course, we need that to feel safe, but people are more than just stereotypes and labels. Yeah, I love that point because I think. To an extent, most people go on dating apps to find connection, right? And these kinds of filtering and stereotypes that we have that we can easily kind of map onto the people that we see because that's the first thing, right? Most dating apps are visual, right? You're basing it just on mostly on looks, and that can kind of become a barrier to the connection that you're really seeking because you you're, you have these preconceived notions about who these people are and how they're going to be, and that. Adds difficulty into kind of dating online, and I think one of the things that I wanted to ask y'all, kind of maybe some things that you think might be helpful for anyone kind of dating through apps right now, for them to hear or keep in mind or help them kind of through this process. I would definitely say self care in the sense of like. Knowing what makes you feel safe and don't hesitate to either assert boundary or have an exit plan, or stay when you can feel safe. I think knowing your sense of safety really is the key if you are seeking for true connection. Because, like from my own experience, my husband. Had so many reflexes on our first date that I was just like, nope, 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 right. But the thing is, I felt safe with them, so I keep that window open. And for those who like, I I don't know if I share this, but I was I'm actually in also like an interracial marriage. So she, he doesn't even share my cultural background. So I think a lot of it's coming from that no, right? He didn't pay for our first date's dinner, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this man is so petty and not generous. Like no. <laughs> It's not invested for me, right? In that sense, but when I when I feel safe, I was able to go deep and go back and talk about that and find out he meant it to be more respectful. That's what his culture taught him, right? So I think when you are able to feel safe, there's only curiosity, true connection that can come out of it. That can come go beyond just misunderstanding, and we stop at stereotypes. And I think no matter you're doing online dating or what kind of dating, relationship always take hard work. There's not gonna be that person that meets all your label and you're just gonna hit it off and perfect. Even this person meet all your checklists, there's still gonna be hard work. So really, I think at the end of the day, it comes from yourself. How, who are you? What do you want? How? What makes you feel safe? And what do you really want? True connection. Or physical intimacy. No matter what you want to think, I think there's no shame in that. It's just you have to know. Yeah, I think you know if I were to go back and tell younger me what you're stepping into into this world of dating apps, you know, I would definitely say you know physical safety is always an important thing. 
right? Again, you know, having your location on and, and making friends aware of who you're going out with and when and where you'll be or when to expect you back, right? I think those are always really important things, like things you should do anytime, you know, you meet a stranger, right? But also, I think the more you learn about yourself and the more you learn about other people, you begin to put together these lists of like what is important to you and then what is non-negotiable for you, right? Like these are the traits and qualities that like I really want, but these are the ones that I absolutely need to have when it comes to another connection or another person. So trying to keep in mind, yeah, you can definitely offer like second chances or third chances, be open, but be open about the things that are open and flexible for you. Don't feel like you have to be open and flexible about the things that are absolutely necessary for you. You know, like that is where right, Angelica was talking about, like maintaining those boundaries if needed and, and taking care of yourself in that way. And then I think probably the last thing I will say just is that the dating app world is this wild, wild west of a world. You're, there's so many people on there. There's so many more people on there than you'll probably meet in day-to-day life. And it is very visual based, you know? So if you find that you're not hitting it off, I know this is cliche, but you're like really trying not to take that as meaning something about you, right? It's a numbers game. It's a looks game. It's just trying to remember that like you are also a person worthy of like human connection. And it's not just what the number of matches says. Yeah. I I like what both of you said. And I, I think I resonated with kind of a little bit about both because I think as a younger my my younger self when I was dating, I think there was a lot of not knowing what I want. Right. And there was a lot of kind of even on um like a gay dating app like Grinder, for example, they they let you have that option of putting like, what are you looking for? Like dates, chats, friends, relationships. I would be like, okay, maybe I mean, you know, maybe because because this is not set in stone for me, I would assume like when people put different things on there, like, oh, this is not set in stone for them. You know, like maybe it's negotiable and we can talk about it. Even if if someone's looking just for physical intimacy in the back of my head, I'd be like, oh, maybe like they'll be open to a relationship at some point. And I think that makes it really detrimental, right? And I think that's why for me, thinking about like having friends support is so important. Having someone to kind of ground you and see things from maybe a more neutral perspective to tell you like, okay, like, here's what I see because what you're seeing, you're kind of processing through the lens, right? Of desire and what you want in terms of your connection with this person. And then the other thing that I think about kind of what Angela, you were saying of the numbers game and the visual based game. I used to be really hard on myself for, as you said, like maybe also being an Asian man or masculine presenting person, not as desirable as a lot of my friends I see who get a lot more matches. And I think what's been helpful for me is to remind myself, you know what, I'm looking for one connection and that's it, right? I'm not looking for hundreds of matches so that I feel better about kind of how I look and what I can, you know, how desirable I am. I'm looking for one connection that I feel good about that I feel safe in, as Angelica said. And that really has brought me a lot more peace because instead of investing my time into, let me get more matches so I feel better about myself, it's more so let me find the people who are potentially kind of quality people that I am interested in and I would like to meet so that I can put my energy into this relationship. Thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm so happy to hear your experiences. I'm sure there are a lot more stories that I wish we could go into. (laughs) Where can people find you if they would like to look for 
kind of you as a therapist or your work? Don't look me up. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> don't digital stalk me after this episode. Yeah, just don't look me up. That's it here. Folks. <laughs> okay. Well, you can find all of our therapists at the yellowchaircollective.com website. Again, we have Angelica Sun and Angela Nguyen, two very qualified therapists. And if you're struggling with relationships, dating, and if any of this resonates with you, feel free to share this episode with anyone and also feel free to kind of reach out if you feel like you might need some professional mental health support as you kind of navigate this. Because as because we talked about, there's a lot of aspects of dating that can be anxiety inducing that can kind of yeah. trigger some traumatic symptoms <laughs> almost yeah. because oh. there are terrible things that happen with dating yeah <laughs> these stories people getting murdered and stuff <laughs> okay <laughs> well, that, at that point it might be a bit too late for therapy but maybe before you get murdered <laughs> survival therapy how to not get murder on your first date <laughs> That'll be and on that episode. note thanks <laughs> thank you bumble thank you tinder thank you here's thank you Hinge. coffee meets bagel <laughs> what is that i i forgot the name again that the one that your friends swipe for you shit let's oh, add that to dating. the list. it's shit dating oh my god so. I just want to kind of try it just to see how it works. I don't know if I have the permission I'll ask, but <laughs> from my husband, <laughs> just try. you can slide for me. You know me the best. <laughs> it's on the B side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. And uh, we hope you stay tuned because we have many more episodes on this season about different stages of relationships. Um, we hope you have a great week ahead. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more and support our work, follow us on our Instagram or Facebook at Yellow Chair Collective. If you are looking for individual, couples, or family therapy in California, check out our website, yellowchaircollective.com, to see our services and clinicians. If you're outside of California, we also host a variety of virtual mental health groups that you might be interested in joining. If you really enjoy our podcast, feel free to message us to let us know or leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms. Thank you again and have a peaceful week ahead. Mm -hmm.